0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. How many are excited to hear from Jesus tonight? How many want to learn how that God's against you and there's no way you'll win in life? Well, good, you're at the right church there because we don't teach that here. Hey, man, we're going to teach from the Bible how much Jesus loves you. And no matter where you are in life right now, if you follow Jesus and His Word, you're going to come out on top, you're going to win. Amen. Let me pray. Father, I thank You in the name of Jesus that tonight, every person sitting in here, everyone here is this on the Internet, Lord, that because they have open hearts, open ears, their eyes are open, and the Holy Spirit He's going to anoint the Word of God for them to see it and understand it, that whatever they're facing, we know if they don't quit, the devil has to. And Lord, we want to thank you. They're going to come out on top. They're going to give praise and glory to you with their life for what you've done for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let me show you an important book out of the bookstore. Every book in there is important. This is important tonight because of what I'm showing. called Faith Food for Spraying. Faith Food for Spraying. It's bite-sized nuggets for about three months that you read one every day. They'll teach you faith. Real-life examples, the Word of God, and it'll put faith into your heart. That'll help you win in life. We've got got them back there for all all the uh, seasons of the year that we're coming into springtime. So that's an excellent book. And after we talk about some things tonight, then you'll see how that can fit right in with you. But the title tonight is How to Remain Stable During Hard Times. Now this message was written down today as I was on the way back from Oceanside, California with my wife in the pilot seat and me in the passenger seat doing my best to hear from God and write some things down. As we went through that I-15 traffic as a guy spun out and hit the wall and his tire flew off and California Highway Patrol blocked the highway right in front of me and I'm sitting down and finishing up this message. And I thought, man, this sure is a good one. I'm glad I've about got it done here because this will show them that if God can give this to me while well, I'm riding through that, he'll help you through anything you're in. Amen? Hey, that's good. By, by the way, let me give you a farm report, too. Kind of exciting to me. Uh, we've lived in Barstow now almost 14 years, and uh, I saw water come out of my faucet, I think I saw a mud puddle once four or five years ago, but anyway, we've got a nice lake now, and we watch the ducks every day and the geese every day, and we've had one crane, and we've had one blue heron, and I Kept on telling my wife, I said, I don't know if that's a male crane or a female crane. I don't know. It should sure be nice though to find out. Well tonight another crane come and landed on the other side of the lake. That's so before I came to church I was trying to rest, but I watched those cranes, man, one on this side, one on this side. They kinda of just you know, kinda of just kinda of sit there eyeing each other. And right before I came to church, the one flew over to the other side and I think they started talking in crane talk. But in anyway, nah this is this this is real, you know, after being out here in the desert thought all there was was scorpions and snakes and desert tortoises, I'm glad to find out there's water and I can own some of it and have real fish and real birds and so also also, I told Robert with all these ducks that we got on our lake got lots of ducks, they been have a good time to lay it. and I'm expecting to get a harvest of ducks and baby cranes pretty soon. I guess that's that's what I was headed for we're going we're going we're gonna have a nursery out there. It's the guys, I can't wait to see you there Saturday. We're going to have a good time. Amen. And so how to remain stable during hard times. Turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And I want to give you a definition of stable. And I was thinking about why we were sitting in the traffic. And, and I looked up this definition put it down here. Man, this really fits in for uh, where we were. And also where a lot of, where a lot of you may be right now or where you may be in the future, but I want to show you, I want to show you how to win. Stable, to so the step just looked up, means this, sane and sensible. Not easily upset or disturbed. And we're, we're not talking about when things are going good, we're talking about when the crisis is on. We're talking about when the devil's throwing everything at you but the kitchen sink. We're talking about when it looks like nobody didn't love you, not even your mama. Looks like everything's against you, you can be stable. You can be sane. You can be sensible. And you can be calm and not be easily upset. How many you want to live that way? Where nothing shakes you. All right. James chapter 1, verse 2, says, My brethren, and that would be sister and two, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this. you got to know some things if you're going to be able to count it all joy with with the heats on. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith produces patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing, lacking nothing. And so, he says, count it all joy when you're going through a hard time. That means you've got to train yourself as a believer, to put on a happy face, and laugh by faith. Let me ask you this. How many joyful people did you ever see that had joy that couldn't laugh? Joyful people laugh. Joyful people smile. And when you realize, when you realize that outward circumstances will change, when you exercise faith in the Word of God, He's saying, start laughing in advance. Start having joy in advance. He says, count it all joy. What that means is get happy by faith. You know, I remember uh, when I first got saved, There's a little cartoon. We didn't have social media or any of that stuff at all. Just if you cut a picture out of the newspaper, then that's where you got your little jokes and stuff at. I remember several different places I went to where they had Christian people working at. There's there's a little picture out of the paper. (laughs) Don't get distracted or you're going to miss out on what God's got for you. There's a little picture out of the paper of a guy sitting in a chair, falling back a chair, laughing, and he said, The devil said what? <laughs> that is the attitude you've got to have about crisis. If the devil said what? And when you know God's on your side, when you know God's word is in your heart, in your mouth, and you know it's gonna to come to pass because of God being with you, then you can start laughing. You know, how many believe in prayer? When you pray, if you believe that God heard you when you pray, and if you pray the answer, if you pray the answer and not the problem, I want to say that again. And when you study the mystery of Jesus, Jesus never prayed the problem. He always prayed the end result, what he wanted. He always prayed the answer. When you pray the answer and you believe God's heard you, then you ought to be able to laugh. No matter what happens, and you know, I, you know, uh, I, I like what Joyce Myers said: Whatever the devil says, just the opposite is true. If the devil says you're going to die, and God's already told you you're going to live, just the opposite is true. You might as well start laughing, because your life has been saved. If the devil tells you he's going to steal your job, you might as well start laughing, because you're either going to have a better job or something good's going to happen on that job. Whatever it is. He tells you just the opposite is true. That's why he says, my brother, count it all joy. Knowing this, that the trite of your faith produces patience. Patience means endurance. It means you can put up with something for a long time and still have joy while you're putting up with it. See, people of the world put up with a lot. They don't have much joy. They'll cuss you out. They'll spit in your eye. They'll run you over. They'll take a swing at you. They'll do all kinds of stuff. But Christians, if they're counting at all joy while their patience is working, they're laughing through the whole thing. You never know if they've got a problem. If they're on top of the mountain, you never know. Because every day you see it, it's the same thing. Good morning. How are you, how you doing? I'm blessed, prosperous, fortunate. <laughs> I'm to be envied. Man, God's for me, so it makes no difference who's against me, man. I'm walking with Jesus, being Jesus every day. And you don't know that the whole world just got pulled out under them, man. They pulled the rug out under them. And all they did is they laid down, get back up. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Ooh, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Ooh, we're coming out on top of this. See, i am telling you how to make it through crisis. If you're going to keep on walking on your bottom lip and tripping over your lip, you're never going to make it out. Hey, man, I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Man, I thought I was preaching to the right crowd. I thought you said you wanted to know how to win. Well, you ought to be doing some laughing now then. Amen. And so anyway, count on all joy, he fought in divers temptations. And so anyway, he says, let patience have her perfect work. That means it's complete work. They may be perfect or mature, lacking nothing. So in other words, he says, if you have joy while you're patiently awaiting things to change in your life, while you believe in God, he said you're going to start maturing in your Christian character. you to become complete in your faith. And so, anyway, when you know, he says knowing this, when you know that God's going to come through, that that makes it easy to laugh. You know, think about this. Has anybody besides me ever watched a TV show or a movie? Anybody ever watched a movie, TV show? How many's ever watched the same movie over and over again? The first time you watch it, the first time you watch it, when your hero's getting torn to pieces... You think, man, this is no good. This can't be good. But then you have seen the end of the show, all of a sudden, man, he comes out with the guns blazing. You know, they're going to head him off at the pass. It tells you what kind of shows we watch. We watch the cowboy shows. Anyway, when you know that as bad as it looks, most of the show, everybody's lying on your hero. And the woman turned on him. You know, thought they was going to get married. Then all of a sudden, here she takes off with black, black slade. You know, he likes the cowboy wears the black hat and the black outfit. And anyway, take here, here comes old black slade, because the Bill always wears black. And your hero wears the white hat. And the white boots. And everything like that, the good guy. Looks like he lost everything. Then all of a sudden, at the end, here comes somebody you never knew about that says, Hey, everybody's lying on, him. everybody's lying on my hero. Said, and then the woman finds, ooh. Like that, come back, man, then all of a sudden you start laughing, clapping, and having joy. But at the start of the show, you didn't see that. So next time you watch that show, at the start of it, you're not shook this time. That's okay, Black Slade, keep on lying. Your day's coming. Amen. You're not getting the girl. Amen. You're not getting the house. You're not even getting the white horse. Why is that? Because I've already seen the end from the beginning. I know how this is going to turn out. Well, when you see God's word, what God says He'll do for you, then you've already seen the end. That's how you count it joy. You might as we'll start laughing up front. Just I like what Brother Hagin always said. When he was a pastor, and he had he, he had he had a deacon board that uh, he had to work with with the church. When well, they've gone through a rough time, to church about something, those guys would come and crying and bawling and squalling. What are we gonna do, Brother Hagin and Brother Haig was in his early 20s. He was a young pastor. You know what he'd say? He'd say, boys, we're just going to act like the Bible's true. And they'd go, Well, that's a relief it is, isn't it? <laughs> and he'd just go right on through shouting the victory. And so I want to say this. If you're Christians and you're coming to church and hear the Word of God taught and you have an actual Bible that you read, and you see verse of the Bible, your one of them says, Oh, all the promises are mine. Amen. Well, if they're yours, act like it's true. Quit whining. Quit crying. Start laughing. Why is that? Because James says, count it all joy. And you know, when I went to Bible school, Marilyn Hickey was one of my teachers. And she called the book of James the Proverbs of the New Testament. Practical Christian living for Christians. In, in the book of James, Proverbs. And so one of the Proverbs here is start laughing that things aren't going right because you know how it's going to turn out. Amen? But I want to tell you something now. And uh, let me see if we've got any religious faces in here first. I hope so. <laughs> I don't really see any. Well, I'm going to tell you anyway just in case you've been religiously brainwashed instead of New Testament taught. I want to say that again. If you've been religiously brainwashed... Instead, New Testament taught, this is going to help you tremendously. Look over at verse 13. And you've got to know this. You've always got to keep this in mind. Let no man say when he is tempted. Well, if God's telling me something not to say when I'm tempted, you know what I'm going to do? I want you to listen to me. I take the Bible literally for what it says. If God says say it, I want to say it. If God says don't say it, I want to make sure I zip the lip, put the gray tape on, whatever i got to do so I won't say what God says don't say. Amen. Let no man say, when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Now sometimes God will prove you some things, but God will never send a hard evil thing your way to try to destroy you. Hold your place. Look at John chapter 10, verse 10. Because you've got to see these verses here. Because if you don't, then your ignorance of so the word of God will shut down the blessing of God. He says, don't say. If, the, if your family gets hit with calamity, your finances get hit, don't, well, don't say. Well, God just tested me. God says he rebukes the devourer for you. God says he opens the windows of heaven, and pours out the blessing on you. Why would God steal your money and then rebuke Himself? Well, He'd have to rebuke Himself if He's the one stealing your money, said He rebukes the devourer. Amen. Why would God break up your home if God said, What I've joined together, let no man put asunder? Why would you say that God's the one breaking up your marriage if He said, Let no man put asunder? God's better than a man. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you what, I was almost having more fun in the traffic there praying for those guys. <laughs> John chapter 10, verse 10. Now look at this. Jesus said, the thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and destroy. James said, who, by the way, James was Jesus' brother. James said, let no man say what he's tempted going through a hard time that God did it. Is that what he said? Jesus said that these come to steal, kill, destroy. He said, i am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And so you've got to know verses like that and always keep those in mind. Did anybody ever know that Jesus called the devil a lot of names? He called him the tempter. He called him the deceiver. You want me to tell you one of the best ways he deceives Christians? God's doing this to teach you something. God's the one that did this. That's deception. God took this from you. God took that from you. God just doesn't want you to have this. Well, the thief come to take it. Because you take something, that's called stealing, it, isn't it? Jesus said the thief come to steal. He come to kill. He come to destroy. And so the deceiver... Now, listen to me. I want to say this again. James said, let no man say. And so, no matter how much you're tempted to bring your, blame your problem on God, don't say it. I said, I find out we had religious faces in here. Man, it's real easy to say God did it. But when Jesus said the thief did it, and James said, don't say God did it, then you know what? Somebody's going to have to change. And God said in Malachi chapter 3, I'm God. I change not. <laughs> so if God's not going to change, if somebody's going to have to, it might as well, if you've got that goofy religious thinking in your head, it might as well be you change. And what are you going to change to? Where are you going to change to believe like the Bible says? If the Bible says it, then you have to start changing your words. And you're tempted to say well, God just don't want me to have that, that you ought to be like that little boy. So I'm walking out of the church. Come walking out of the church, and he had two covers, and all he had left the Bible was a table of contents in the middle. And the preacher said, what's wrong with your Bible? I said, well, when you said that wasn't for me, that wasn't for today, I said, well, I'm going to take it out of the Bible, then I don't need that page. And so every time you say that's not for me, that's not for today, might as well take that one out. If God said, above all else, he wants you to prosper and be in health, the verse that he talked about a while ago, that God meant he wants you to prosper and be in health. So why would you ever say, God wants me to go broke? Why would you ever say, God wants me to stay sick? Why would you ever say, well, God put this on me? (laughs) Oh, thank you, Jesus. Man, I'm glad this is my church, not some old religious church. (laughs) Amen. uh, I want to say it one more time. If God says say it, I want to say it. Look at Romans chapter eight thirty-one, chapter eight verse thirty-one. If God says don't say it, I don't want to say it. But Romans chapter eight, verse thirty-one, I, I think this will help clarify it. Romans eight verse thirty-one says, "What shall we then say? Wow." He tells them what not to say in James. He tells us what to say here. Isn't that amazing? What shall we then say to these things? Talk about the calamities. The has come your way. He said you're supposed to say something to the things. Remember Mark 11? Jesus said say to the mountain. What are you supposed to say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And so you're supposed to say the things. You're supposed to say to the crisis, to the situations of life. Hey, thing... Hey, mountain, God's bigger. God's for me. God's on my side. You're supposed to say to him, but you're not supposed to say, mountain, God sent you to my home to destroy my family. Mountain, God sent you to hurt us real bad so we could learn. Well, you know what that does? That does what? Ephesians chapter 4. It says he put in the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers To grow the saints so they can learn to be equipped. He didn't say God sent divorces, car wrecks, deaths, sickness to teach the saints. He said he put preachers in the church to teach the saints. He says he gave you the Bible to give you faith. You know, we've said this a lot of times. I want to say it again. If faith came by trials and disasters, the world would be full of spiritual giants. Because everybody has trials and disasters. But faith cometh one way, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Is this helping anybody tonight? Amen. Amen. And so before I move on, go ahead and clap, Jenny, nobody else will. Go ahead. (laughs) We're not going to be called the Church of the Frozen Chosen. (laughs) Amen. We're alive and it's worth the drive. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you what, I love Jesus. I love the Word of God. I love seeing people get helped. Amen. Amen. But before I move on, I want to make sure you get this because somebody in here needs to hear this. We'll say it one more time. Your faith in God is never going to work if you think He's the source of the problem. Until you get it settled, God's not the one. God's not the one that's trying to hurt you. If you got if you got any inkling in your mind at all that God doesn't want you healed and you're facing sickness, or maybe you've got a young child that's sick and you're thinking, well, it's because of something I did. No, God loves your child, God loves your baby, God loves your mom, God loves your dad, God wants them well. And if you've got it in your mind, God's not going to do this because I'm such an evil person. Guess what? You might as well throw your Bible away. God says. I loved you while you were yet sinners. If God loved us while we were sinners, how much more now we're His children? <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what, I've got to preach to be happy already and we haven't even got to the message yet. <laughs> well, that's the absolute truth. What time is it? We're going to make you some part two. No, we've got time to finish it, okay. And so we see already... That when you go through a hard time, you're supposed to have joy. Pastor Dave, excuse me. I'm going to study the faces here. I don't really hardly see the start puss in the face they're in the place. You're know, they're looking good. You guys are looking good. That means you're set up for winning. Amen. Hallelujah. You're schooling for ruling and training for reigning. You're ready to go. Do I have joy? Do I have joy? Praise God, because I'm not going through any crisis currently. So, glory to God, I'm going to keep it if something hits. Okay, now, so we get through that there. And then verse 5 now, now we're going to start to the message. And so when you're going through a crisis, then you need God to show you what to do, right? And so if any of you lack wisdom... Let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now remember, we're talking about stable tonight. God wants you to be stable. He wants you to be sane and sensible not make bad decisions, not make impulsive decisions. That's not my message, but I think I better camp there for just a minute. Too many Christians act like the healing of the world when a crisis first hits. Let me just say, for example, you're a married person or you're a parent that has a teenager. okay, When somebody does something that shocks you, your husband, your wife, one of your kids, you need to be stable and not shoot from the hip as soon as it happens. When people are under pressure, they may say something stupid to you that you know they don't really mean, but they're hurting. Have you immediately unloaded a volley yourself? You know, if it's your kid. I'm going to ground you for 15 years. And then you go in the room, break up all their stuff, crush all their stuff, and tear it up like that. And then, that hour later you realize, what did I do? What did I do? You weren't a stable person. You were unstable. You act like an insane person. And then, you know, this is almost like what Jesus said. He's well, Sid, let him cast the first stone. Then you stop and then if you stop and you're reasonable and you want to hear from God that God will show you in your life all the dumb stuff you did that same day that same week. same thing with husbands and wives and so God does not want you to act like an insane person. He wants you to be sane. That's what that means when pressure hits your life through people you love stop. remember what they taught the kids in school for the cross street stop look and listen. You just stop looking and listen. You don't want a train wreck in your house. Amen. Amen. That was free. That wasn't even in the notes. I kind of liked that. Maybe I should write that down and take it home. For my wife. <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> okay. And so he said, if you lack wisdom, now listen to this. The wisdom of God simply means the plan of God. When you're in a mess. When you're in a crisis, you need a plan to get out. Listen to me closely. He already said, first thing you're supposed to be doing is laughing because you know God's going to get you out. And once you've got that part working, were you able to laugh at the situation? Then he says, then ask God for his wisdom about what to do. That means ask God for the plan about what to do. I that again. Then ask God for the plan about what to do. And notice as we continue you look at this, that means the plan of God. God always has a plan with steps of action to get you through it. Why would he say ask him? He didn't say ask 15 other people. Well, you know what? I've been going through a financial crisis and I think God told me to tithe. What do you think? What do you think? You think I ought to tithe? You think I ought to tithe? God always answers in life the Word of God. If you go going through a crisis, God's not going to say, well, I'll tell you what, I put in the Bible that Christians should tithe, but you're a special case, so the devil's going to deceive you and tell you to tithe. So go ask all the other non-tithers you know. You think I ought to tithe? God said, if you lack wisdom, ask Him. He'll give it to you. He's always going to ask you with the, answer you with the Word of God. <laughs> Woo! I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Pastor <laughs> Dave, I know you believe this. I'm going to talk to you. <laughs> you know, let me ask you something. Would God lie to you? If He said, ask him for wisdom, and said, I'll give it to you. Then why, if you ask Him, then you see what to do. Why do you question, then, and have to go ask all the unbelievers? You think this is God? God said, call for the elders of the church. Because what I feel, God said, call for the elders of the church to you all you fall and pray the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith to heal the sick. Why, you think God would do that? <laughs> oh, man. I'm having too much fun tonight. This really is fun. And so God always gives you a plan, and then he says, but to ask him in faith. Now, that listen, this is really going to help you if you're listening. Jesus said, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. And so if he said, ask in faith, how do you ask in faith? I want you to hold your place look at Mark chapter 11. Because he said, he'll give you wisdom, but you've got to ask him in faith. And I'm going to give you a real life example that's going to help you. Yeah, I know I'm having fun tonight, and I really am, because it, it, it's fun to teach the Bible to help people. It's fun to see people's eyes light up when they see an answer. It's fun to hear the testimony of what God did. It's no fun while you're going through it. That's why he said, by faith, count it all joy. Amen. That'll make it in sooner too. But anyway, he says, ask for wisdom and faith. And so Mark 11, verse 22 says, have faith in God. Verse 23, Verily I say unto you, and then he's telling you how faith works. Whosoever shall say, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith. Well, believe in faith is the same word. Believing is faith in. If you're faith in, you're believing. So if you're asking in faith, That means you believe in God's listening. You believe God's answering. It says, But shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass? He shall have whatsoever he saith. Then Jesus said, Because that's how faith works, now I'm going to show you how to put it in your prayer life. Verse 24. Therefore, because you understand faith works by saying, I say unto you, What things soever you desire. Well, James 1.5 said, You desire in wisdom. Right? He said, He said, if you lack wisdom, ask God. You're desiring wisdom. You ask God. Therefore, I said things to you, what things have you desired? When you pray, you're praying for wisdom. Believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. How do you believe that you receive? It says, whosoever shall say, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things he saith. You believe you receive it because you say it. You say, I believe I received.' And so listen to this now. He said, you asked for wisdom in faith. You asked for the, for the plan of God in faith. Faith made you believe that God answered you when you asked Him. Back in 19, February 1993, that's been a few years ago, hadn't it? February 93, I was a baby pastor, so I was still learning a lot of things. But anyway, had a music minister named Stan Wagner. And Stan Wagner had a job that was really just tearing him to pieces. They would call him in, Working 12, 15 hours, then they might not use him for a week. And then when he, when they called him in, he had to go in because they had to feed his family. So he couldn't say, no, I got to go home. I'm wore out. He had to take the, take the calls hours night and day, might be Sundays, might be Wednesdays, might be whatever. And so he knew that God had a better job for him, had a call on his life. He knew he had to be available for God's work. And so he came to me in my office and said, Pastor, he said, I know in my heart. God has a better job for me. This was still on all my time. He said, What am I going to do? I looked to James chapter one, verse five and said, Stan, I said, I don't know what you're going to do. but I know the one that does know what he wants you to do. I said, Let's read this verse right here. So we read, we read James chapter one, verse five and said, Stan, I said, It's not the job you need. It's the wisdom of God you need that he'll show you where the job. And so we, we read that. I said, Oh Stan, let's pray. Ask God for the wisdom of God. We're going to ask him in faith. So we prayed. Ask God for the wisdom of God. What's this man going to do that loves God, loves his family, knows he's got to work to take care of his family, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. So we prayed, and then Stan said, Now, Pastor, what am I going to do for all my unbelieving friends? That asked me, what are you going to do, Stan? What are you going to do? I said, well, Stan, here's what you're going to do. Let's act like the Bible's true. But I said, what did God just tell you? God said, you ask for wisdom, I'll give it to you. They said, ask in faith. I said, Stan, how does faith work? Faith works by what you believe and what you say. I said, so you simply, when people ask you what you're going to do, just tell them, I've asked God in faith, and my head doesn't know right now but my heart will know by the time I have to make the decision. Not whether he's going to quit that job, look for another one, whether he's going to hang it out, or whatever he's going to do. I said, you tell them. You ask God in faith. And so tell them, I can't give you the steps right now because my head doesn't know that Jesus lives in my heart. And the Holy Spirit's in here. And because I ask God in faith in more than enough time for I have to make a decision, I will know because God doesn't lie. That's how you ask in faith. When God said, I'll give it to you, then you just simply tell people, what are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about that? You just say, I don't know what I'm going to do right now with my head, but in my heart, by the time I have to do it, I'll know because God told me He'll give me His wisdom. Does that help anybody? Amen. Amen. man! Get a hold of that. See, faith, well, this is the rest of the message, man. I can't get ahead of this. Amen. And so then, uh, verse uh, verse 7, verse 8, Ask in faith nothing wavering. For if you waver, you're like a wave of the sea, drift the wind and toss. For let not that man think he received anything of the Lord. So if you're wavering, up one down, down the next, one day you're doubting, one day you're believing, says so you're never going to receive anything. But verse 8 then says, a double minded man, a double minded man, a double minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now listen, and you'll see where this uh, title came from. A double minded man is unstable in all his ways. In 2005, our ministry had been going through a slack for a while, been pastoring since uh, 1992. Well, our church went through a lot of hits. Things happened, etc., etc. And we knew that God had things for us to do. And Dr. Barclay counseled us that God had another location for us. Had something else, somewhere else. Somebody needed what I had for their church. And I didn't know where that was. And so anyway, we prayed this prayer. And I asked the Lord for His wisdom. And then the Lord began to miss me over the next few weeks. And when I saw this verse, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, God said this to me. Now listen to this. You probably want to write this down. If a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, then a single-minded man is stable in all his ways. Double-minded. You know what double-minded means? That means talk to you one day. He say, oh, glory to God, hallelujah, my God can do anything, everything is awesome. Next time I see you, you put on the Pentecostal Ha. You know what that is? Oh, pray for me, brother. Oh, pray for me, brother. Oh, pray for me. Hey, you think about praying Pray for me, brother. Ha! Oh. You ever been, been around Pentecostals? They got the ha spirit? I guess the word California, they don't have that. It. They has got the goofy spirit. Back in Indiana, the Pentecostals, they go ha. That's double minded. Double minded is I see you today, everything's great. I see you tomorrow, it's the end of the world. How come God's not answering? How come God's not hearing? How come God's mad at you? Then the next day, I don't know how to handle you. Next day, oh, glory to God, pastor, can I preach? That? Woo, woo, I got it, man. I heard from God today. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let you speak in a service. Tomorrow night, you won't answer your phone. You don't show up. You're double-minded. And what else are you? Unstable. In some of your ways. He said, all your ways. You're an unstable person. And so anyway, the Lord told me, if double-minded man is unstable all of his ways, then a single-minded man is stable all of his ways. Well, he told me that, and I pondered that, and I tried to be single-minded. Then a couple weeks later, he asked me this question. He said, what's a single-minded man? And I said, I don't know. He said a single-minded man is a word-minded man. Because when you're word-minded, you're single-minded, because you've always got the same answer. By his stripes I was healed, so by his stripes I am healed. My God supplies all my needs, so all my needs are met. That's single minded. I've walked in the favor of God. I got favor everywhere I go. My application is on top. When I see the judge, all is well. I walk in the favor of God. God's rebuking the devourer for me. That's single-minded. Double-minded is, woe is me, I don't know. Well, I thought I had a goosebump yesterday, but I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, did you feel that chill come through there, man? I think the hair stood up in the back of my neck. I don't know. Maybe that was, maybe that was an angel, or maybe that's just a cold breeze coming in, I don't know. If you go by those feelings, you're never going to get anything. And so a single-minded man is a word-minded man. And so then I began to know what God wanted me to do. I believed and I confessed the words that I know. Now listen, you need to find Bible verses that tell you what you're believing is in line with God's Word and don't talk contrary to those verses that you find. That's single-minded. For me, some of what I started believing God for, I knew God had another assignment. Here's what I knew for sure from God. Romans eleven twenty nine says the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. That means if God called you to be a pastor, he's never going to change his mind as long as you're breathing. You can walk away from it and probably die before your time. But you get to heaven, God's going to judge you. Did you stay pastor or not? If you're called to be a Henry and do the RICO. (laughs) The gifts of calling God are out of repentance. No, I'll tell you what I stood on. And so my thing was this, Lord, because you're going to judge me for being a pastor, you're never going to change your mind. That tells me you got somebody somewhere wants me to be their pastor. I was very single-minded i never knew it was gonna be the Judd Clampett song. Said California's the place you ought to be. <laughs> so we headed up the Pisky truck, and we moved to Barstow. <laughs> anybody ever see Beverly Hillbillies? Okay, well we're the we're the Barstow former Hillbillies now. We're Desert Blessings. I'm not gonna say rats. <laughs> it would be a rat. We're desert blessing. So anyway, that's one of the verses I listen, I'm telling you, you know, I'm kind of funny now, I'm having a good time. But I'm telling you what I did to be single minded to be stable. Romans eleven twenty nine is so real. The gifts and calling of God about repentance. How could I get away from that? I stayed with that. And then also Psalms thirty seven twenty three the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, he delighteth in his way. I was single minded. I said, Lord, I've asked you for your wisdom. I think you ordered my steps. Amen. Like, 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 like the man in the army said, I got some new orders. <laughs> Pretty good, huh, Joseph? Yep, got some new orders, man. I got transferred from Indiana to California. Amen. And so, and so another one I stood on for me, and see, this is verses for me. I'm showing you how to be single-minded. Proverbs 18, 16 says. A man's gift makes room for him and breaks him before great men. And so God had the gift of pastor, teacher in me and he made room for me in California. And so what I'm telling you is this then. I'm going to close it because it's time to close. In all of your lives, if you're going through a crisis or a hard time ever, look at these verses and they do what they say to do. Number one, determine in your heart Never say. God's the one putting you through it. Never say it. Why is that? Because the Bible says never say it. Number two, after you're laughing, of course, number two, find verses in the Bible that tell you this is from God and this is for you. And what you do, no matter what goes on, when a contrary thought hits your head, instead of getting depressed and worried, Rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus. Say, devil, get those thoughts out of my head right now. In Jesus' name, God said, a man's gift makes room for him, and brings it for great men. God says, the gifts are called to God without repentance. God says, the steps of the good man are ordered by the Lord. God says, if he's for me, who can be against me? Start speaking the word of God. Be single-minded. And I can promise you, I can promise you, based upon the holy written word of God, you will come out on top Because God's not a liar. God always tells the truth. His promises are yes and amen to the glory of God. Amen. Let's stand up. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.